0: better, but I think I'm still recording. So I'm not sure what happened anyway. Hello, everybody, and welcome to first day pod. I'm your host, Leanne. Hello. And, um, if you guys are watching this live, then let me know that you're here by commenting in the chat, either on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Um, you guys being here is my favorite part. Uh, if you're listening to this in the audio version, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I want to be a part of it live!" Uh, every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, you can find us over on YouTube or Facebook at First Day Pod, and um, and be part of the show. So this is how this works: if you comment, then I am going to pull it right up on the screen, and you're going to be part of the show. I'm going to read your comment, and we're going to discuss what you just said. So um, That is it. That's my most enjoyable part of this. The other most enjoyable part that I have, it's two. One is the comments that you guys share and the conversation that goes around that. And the second is when we have a guest and next week we have a guest and I am so excited for Jesse to be here with us. Um, he is going to, he's got a lot that he's going to be talking about. Um, one of the biggest things is that he he is one year sober as of yesterday, and um he did it cold turkey. So I cannot wait. Now, he's got a lot of other things going on that he's gonna be talking about. Um, but that is like really intriguing to me because you guys know like we've done the whole, you know, no sugar and cutting it cold turkey, and it did not work out well for Mike and I. <laughs> and I know that sugar is not the same thing as alcohol, but, To me, it kind of is, you know, it's still an addiction. It's still something that is very prevalent and very everywhere. Um, and it was really difficult for me. So I am really excited to have him on here with us. Um, Mike will be here for that show. He's really looking forward to Jesse being here. So, um, you will see Mike. So we hope that you're going to be able to be there. So please mark your calendars and your, uh, set your alarm so you can be there. Uh, also we are doing a brand new book next week for book clubs. So every Monday night at 8 PM on zoom, we meet and this book that we're going to be doing right now is called the alchemist. And we're going to be doing that for the next three weeks. It's a shorter book. It's a more of a story, um, but a lot of really great lessons inside of there that we're going to be able to discuss. And, um, we're going to be doing that. And then we're going to take a break for uh, labor day weekend. And my birthday, and then we are going to start back up. And so this week we are making suggestions of books um, that we should read in book club next. And if you guys have any suggestions, I'd love to hear them. And uh, and then the following week we're going to vote on them. So that's how we pick the books in book club, which is kind of cool. So we all make. Um, Tina, Tina says, "Oh, your birthday, yes." yes, it's going to be my birthday. That's why we celebrate Labor Day. Just so you guys don't know, I know a lot of people are like, what is that holiday? Well, that's what it is. It was my mom was in labor with me. So, (laughs) um, so anyway, the way that we pick the books in book club is everybody puts in their suggestions. I have an Excel sheet that I kind of, or a Google sheet That I've put in there that has the Google reads reviews. Uh, it's got the number of pages. It's got the author, all that kind of stuff. And then you get to choose your top three and then the top contenders. Um, that's the next book that we're going to read. And then the second most picked book is the second book we're going to read. So, uh, it's a really cool way of doing it. Everybody gets, um, insight into what we're reading next. It's not like I just pick the book, so if you have any suggestions for books, I really like to keep them to something that is going to improve our life because time is the only asset that we don't get back. You guys, um, you know, we can make more money and we can, we can buy the things that we need. Um, but time is something that we can't get back. So when we choose these books for a book club, I want to make sure that we're going to at least gain something from it. Um, So we have been starting to incorporate fiction books in it, but they've all been, you know, really deep conversations about uh, life with them. So super exciting. Anyway, so let's get to this topic this week. Mike actually picked it and now he's not here. So it'll be an interesting conversation. So he wanted, um, Tina says, getting the love you want. Oh, nice. Okay. I'll look that up. Do you know the author? Um, I'll actually put it on the list because I'm all for it. I Right now, I'm not sure how many books that we have in the voting. Uh, I think there's something like 15 or 20 books right now, but I'll definitely put that one on the list. Um, so anyway, so Mike. Okay. So thank you so much. So Harville Hendricks. Okay. Uh, Actually, you know what? I've heard of that book before now that you say that. It's funny the things that'll trigger you. So yeah, when I saw that author, I was like, wait, I know that book. I have not read it though. So we'll hopefully upvote that one. Um, okay, so Mike was like, I was like, okay, well, what topic do you want? Cause he was like, Oh, I'm gonna come. And I said, Great. And I was like, What do you want the topic to be? And he was like, I think, like, why is it so hard to like say you're sorry or to like apologize? And he's like, Let's call it sorry, not sorry. So I was like, okay, that sounds good. And then today he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, (laughs) but I can't make it tonight, but I will definitely make it next week for the guest. So I was like, okay, no problem. So sorry, not sorry. We can take two different ways. We can either look, and I want to talk about it all. So you guys share your stories, comments, anecdotes, whatever. Um, So we can take it one of two ways. Either we can talk about how, and I think as Canadians, we do this more so than Americans, um, where we over-apologize, we apologize for absolutely everything. Like you hit me in the face and i am be like, I'm sorry, I was in your way. (laughs) We apologize for way too much. Um, and there's a lot of, and I know there are Americans that do the same thing. So it's not really just a Canadian thing, but we're known for that. Um, and then on the other hand, it's also like sometimes we don't apologize for the things that we know we really should apologize for. Either our ego gets in the way or we're just like, oh, I don't want to give away my power, which to me is totally bogus. It's actually the opposite. Um, but we don't apologize for things that we know that we should be. Um, and so those two things happen. And so that could be sorry, not sorry. Or we can look at it like, and we could talk about sorry, not sorry being Um you know, sorry, I wore my pajamas out in public, but not really sorry. Cause I was totally unapologetic for, about it. I'm fine with it. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever done that. I actually, I actually did it. And, um, I was wearing fuzzy pink, like bright pink, fuzzy slippers. And, um, <laughs> I was just driving my sister to work. And so I was like, well, I'm not getting out of the car. Totally fine. Like I'm not going to change my shoes. So I hop in the car with these big fuzzy slippers. I drive her to work. And then I realize, oh, shoot, I need gas. Well, she worked right next to Costco. So I was like, I'm here. So I go get Costco gas. And I, you know, the lineups there. So there's like all of Windsor is there. And I used to work there. So of course, the the people that are working there, I know. And so there's no way of hiding it. They are the brightest slippers. So I've done that. And that was kind of like a sorry, not sorry. So we could talk about any one of those. Um, But let's see. Josh says, sorry, only goes so far if the acts keep happening. Oh, sorry, only goes so far if the acts keep happening. Yes. Okay. Josh, let's talk about that. So, okay. So stories, there is, I was reading an article about how saying you're sorry can actually harm more than heal. It can actually hurt your relationships more than if you weren't to say anything at all. So that is a perfect example. If you're just saying you're sorry, because it's getting you out of, you know, the, the hot seat that, you know, you did something wrong because you always do that thing. And you're just like, Oh, sorry. And then you just like, move on. Um, that's a real problem because then you're you look like you are completely insincere um the person on the other end of it knows that you don't care and so it would be almost better that you don't say anything at all because then it's like did they even realize it but the fact that you say you're sorry when you're not that's hurtful so one of the things that that's a big thing in that is when you do something that you know That you shouldn't be doing and something stupid like obviously if you're like you're doing something like a crime or something that's a totally different talk but if you're doing something like you're hurting your partner in a way that's like you're not showing up for them or whatever saying you're sorry when you don't mean it is not helpful but saying hey babe you know what i really wish i could give you the attention that that we should for this right now. I don't have the bandwidth. Can we revisit this? Having those types of conversations instead of like, sorry, I don't have time. No, you're not sorry. You just aren't making the time for it. So those little nuances of if you actually feel sorry about something, talking to them about it and seeing how you can fix it so it doesn't happen again, or that you can clarify it, that's a lot more helpful. Um, okay, so Sue says, I've learned that the best apology is change behavior. Amen. Yes. And Josh says, Sue, that is a very true statement. Yes. Change behavior when you are actually sorry about something. That is the best way. Show by actions. Um, thank you, Sue. And hey, guys, I'm so glad you guys are here. Okay, this is so cool. There are some more people watching that are not commenting. So I just want you to know that I, Um, obviously can't see you. Um, so if you do want to be acknowledged, please put something in the comments. You can tell me where you're tuning in from. So, um, yeah, so that is a, that is a big one. Also the timing of when you say you're sorry. So in this article that I was reading and I should have like quoted it, but, um, I thought I was going to be able to do more research. Um, but, in the article that I was reading, it was it was talking about how timing really plays a big role in it. The timing of when you deliver it um in in retro like in um respect to when it happened, and timing of when the other person can receive it. So, if you know that the other person is just like infuriated with just what happened, and you're like, "I'm sorry. Like, first of all, your tone is not going to work. Like you have to actually be sorry about something, but just saying that they're not hearing it. They have to be in a place where they can like calm down and actually hear your apology. Um, and the timing of, you know, sometimes it's more, um, uh, like impactful. If you come back after the situation, everything's been heated or you ignored something or whatever, and you come back and you like, Do you remember yesterday and you bring it back up and you say, you know what? I'm really sorry. I was thinking about it and that really, I didn't handle that well. And having that conversation will be a lot more impactful than just saying, I'm sorry. Or just saying there's a lot of backhanded ways of saying you're sorry too. Like, I'm sorry you feel bad about that. So you're not actually apologizing. You don't feel bad. And sometimes it's okay for you not to feel bad. You don't have to have guilt around everything, but you know when you're doing something that is being intentionally hurtful, or you did something that wasn't intentionally hurtful, but you still hurt somebody. And telling them that you're sorry, if you are, can go a long way. Uh, Josh says, we all use sorry like we use the word hello. Very true. Yes, we overuse it way too much. I completely agree, Josh. Josh says, it all breaks down to the age-old saying, actions speak louder than words. Yes, 100%. And that's with everything. And, you know, we always talk about this on the show, that awareness is always the first step, right? If you're wanting to make a change, having awareness around that is important because if you don't, if you're not aware that you have some sort of, you know, issue that you need to change, then you're not going to change it. Well, being aware that you need to say you're sorry, being aware that you should be apologizing is really the first step too. And so that would come into, if somebody does something to you, especially like a partner, if it's a stranger, like just brush it off. Like people are just like, you just can't fix some some things, right? Um, You can't control everything. But if you're in a relationship with somebody and you want that relationship to grow, you want that relationship to blossom, you want that relationship to be, have good communication if somebody does, if your partner or your kid or your, you know, mom or dad or whatever does something that actually hurts you and they don't apologize for it, it is okay. And I think it's a really courageous and important thing to do is to go to that person and maybe not when you're really upset, but again, like maybe the next day and say, Hey, you know, I really, this has nothing to do with like, you. I know that you didn't try to hurt me, but I do want you to know that like you saying that to me, it affected me. And can we talk about it? Like having that conversation to see why they said the thing that they said, or did this thing that they did, or didn't do the thing that they did. Um, I think is really important to, to say that instead of just being like, oh, they don't care because sometimes they're just oblivious. Like it's really true. Um, Sue says, sorry is a lazy word. We use it for everything and for all occasions. Is it just me? But when someone dies, I hate hearing, I'm sorry. That's a good one, yes. My first thought is, what, did you kill them? <laughs> Sue. We throw sorry around too freely to where it's lost its meaning. Yes, I completely agree, Sue. I really do. And I've been trying to do a better job of not saying I'm sorry all the time because, as a Canadian, like, and I keep using that as an excuse, but it's true. Like I was, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like every, every turn. And it really was like part of it, what I realized later, like just recently in some of my like reflection and introspection and stuff is that I didn't feel like I should be taking up space. That was my big thing. And now realizing how many people have issues with not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy enough. I think that's where that story comes in too. is that you don't feel like you're worthy enough to take up space in the room or to take up space in the conversation that we apologize. I'm sorry for asking so many questions. I'm sorry. This is going to sound silly. I'm sorry about it. And I think that's, that's more of what it is, is that, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we say, I'm sorry. It's just conditioning. We just, you know, do the things. Um, But I think that's part of it is that we don't feel like we're worthy of the space that we're taking up. And so we apologize for everything. Like we're just, we weren't meant to be there. And I think the more that we can build our confidence and build our sense of self and self-worth, I think that we'll probably be able to stop apologizing for things that don't need to be apologized for and find the courage and bravery to be able to apologize for the things that we do. So Mike's here. Hey, Mike. Um. So he says, that's right, to Josh. Yes, that's right, Josh. So that I think was all for the, it all breaks down to the old adage, actions speak louder than words, right? So Mike also says, great show. I love you with all my heart. Oh, see? Okay, here's a perfect example, you guys. I just bring you up on screen. I don't like... <laughs> look at them first. So I love you too, honey. Uh, Josh says, we should hold the word sorry to the same standard as the word love in the context of love for another person. We hold the word love more sacred than the word sorry, and we should hold both words to the same standard. Okay. So good example. However, what I will say is I would rather people use love more loosely Um, Mike and I have this conversation all the time. I have a very different love for Mike, obviously, than I do for, you know, anybody else. I love him very differently. So when I say I love you to him, it means something a lot differently than when I say I love you to the person that I was just on the Zoom call. But when I say love you to the person that I'm on a Zoom call with, I mean it. I do love humanity and I do love the world and I want people to know that I love them. And I would never want to see anybody hurt. I would never want to see anybody sad. And so I do have a true caring for people. And so I use the word love all the time and that I do not want to, to stop. So I don't want that to have a standard that like you can only say it to certain people or only say it in certain situations. I think we should use the word love all the time. Um, And I get it. I do understand it, that it's like, it feels like it's watered down, so it doesn't mean as much. But I just don't think, I don't think that that's as big of a problem as people not hearing it enough. So if you have to like go on one, one way or the other, I would rather err on the, I've said it too much, than err on the way of not saying it enough. Um, Josh says these two words hold more weight than we acknowledge. Yes, okay. So Sue says exactly. And now, Sue, are you saying exactly to my clarification or to Josh's that we should hold love and sorry in the same standard? So now Josh is saying, and just for those of you guys that are listening to this in the um in the um audio version as an actual podcast, you're going to quickly realize we do things very differently here at first day pod. We are all about the community. And so I'm not talking at you. I don't ever just talk at you. And here's, here's what we're going to be talking about today. This is what I love is that we have this conversation. So if you're listening to the us in the audio, thank you so much for being here, but please next week, come on over and be a part of the, the comments and be a part of the show. So Josh says, but the word love holds more weight in society than the word sorry, but we should bring the word sorry up to the same as love. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Tina says, we live in a world of morality where we see things as right or wrong. And when we think we are wrong, we make it right. Maybe it's not right or wrong. It just is. So we can give up sorry and just acknowledge our impact on others and we don't have to be sorry ever. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Good little hashtag there, Tina. Yes, that's a good one too. Yes, things just are. Okay. And that is a very good way to look at life and a very peaceful way of looking at life that it is literally what it is and that there is no right or wrong. The only caveat to that that I would argue is that if you know that you have hurt somebody, then I think it's important for us to be able to have those conversations. But I do agree that it doesn't have to be a I was wrong. And this is how I'm going to make it right by saying I'm sorry. But I do think that we do need to step up and start having those like uncomfortable conversations, which should become more comfortable, especially with the people that we care about. So that's a really, really good way of looking at that, Tina. I like that a lot. Um, Okay, so Mike says, damn, Tina. Yes, right? Um, Tina's amazing. So Sue says, "Your your comment, Lee, however, we need to use both words very carefully. Too many teenagers think they love people when they are just infatuated or lonely. We need to clarify levels of love like in love, like in the old days. That's a really good, that's a really good distinction there, Sue. Absolutely. So yes, being in love is something very different than loving people or loving things. Um, So yeah, I think that that should be something that is really clarified. and, And especially, I wouldn't even say teenagers. I feel like there's a lot of us that go through periods where we are just feeling lonely, that we anybody gives us attention and then we feel like, oh my gosh, maybe they love me. Maybe I love them. Oh my gosh, like I think we're into something. And it wasn't, it was just a, a very casual passing. Um, and I know that I have I have to be very careful um with being um the kind of outspoken about what that means with people, um, especially people, you know, that I know that are single or that are, you know, maybe lonely or maybe looking for that. And when I show more attention to somebody, then I can, you can feel when that becomes more of a, like a lust kind of thing. Um, so I've actually had to have those conversations and it's uncomfortable. Um, but I'm still friends with a lot of them that I've had those conversations with. So, yeah, I think that making that distinction is a huge one, Sue. Tina says that's opening up a whole other discussion. Yes, well, and that's what this show does. This show does not just give answers. It usually opens up more <laughs> way for conversation. Um, uh, and that's what I love. I love sharing wisdom on this show. um like we say, first day pod, shared wisdom, education, and empowerment. We want to be able to have these conversations out in the open. Um, because then we're all able to bring the insights that we have here as a group and start bringing them home and start like, even if it is, Hey, you know what? I was listening to a podcast and they were saying whatever, um, right now when we're talking about, sorry, not sorry, like, you can bring that conversation up with your husband or with your wife or with your kids and talk about the things that you were talking about in the show, continuing the conversation at home um, and really seeing how people around you are feeling about these types of things. Because a lot of the things that we talk about in this show are very, um, they're very simple topics, but they're topics that for the most part people aren't talking about. And we should be to make things a little bit more, open. Um, Tina says, sorry, that was an old comment for our other conversation. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure which one it was, but now I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to watch the show. I'm wondering if I watch it in the replay, if the comments pop up at the same time, maybe. So, um, I have to get better at like when I see a comment, bringing it on. Um, and Mike is probably going crazy right now with my lighting situation because I'm I'm now in a different place. And so the lighting that he set up for me is not the same. So sorry about the background, guys. Anyway, um, here we go. Josh says, we just need to acknowledge that both of these words we are talking about are core words in society. Lee, I understand we should learn to use the word love more and open up and pull the reins back on how loosely we use the word sorry. Yes. I agree. I know that you're just agreeing with me, but thank you. (laughs) Um, Sue says some adults jump into relationships and love the other person. Then the children become attached to their parents' partner. Then after the relationship ends, the parents leave the kids bewildered and just say, oh, sorry. See how I brought them back to sorry. Good job, Sue. (laughs) Thank you. Cause you know, my squirrel brain's not going to bring things back to what the show title was. Um, yes, yes. And that is a very different kind of topic. I've had this conversations with friends that are divorced and, um, I think that is important. I think that's important. So yes, you need your kids to know that you're dating. I, all of that needs to be out in the open. I think you, you can't be. Kids are so aware of everything that's happening, Um, but also just saying, you know what? I don't want you to meet them until I feel like this is really something special and then waiting so then they're not in and out of relationships. And um, yeah, I have seen that. I've seen that unfold. And sometimes I've actually had girlfriends that have stayed in relationships for the kids of that the other person. Um, it's not even their child, but that they stayed in it because they had that connection and they didn't want to abandon them. Um, and then they stayed in a bad relationship or in even just not a loving relationship. So yeah, there's a lot to that, Sue, for sure. Um, okay. So um, let me just put this down here. Okay. So now, um, oh, do do do. Sue says, "Kids are very aware. Why can't we just be honest with them? They learn mixed messages and emotions." Yes, Sue, one hundred percent. And I mean, you're talking from experience and from like a professional standpoint, but that's absolutely true. We do have a sense, and we do know something's up. Um, And that even comes down to like not even just hiding things like that, but like not crying in front of your kids. Um that I've told this story on the show before, like my mom, she's amazing. Like I would never, ever want to have another mom than her. She's like been the best, but I will say one of the things that she could have probably done better was crying in front of me. She never cried. I never saw her cry. And so she, she loved me. I knew every, but it looked like she had her shit together all the time like everything, nothing fazed her. Everything was fine. And so what that meant for me is that in my, I think it was like my late twenties, early thirties, I can't actually remember. It's so funny, but I did have a major breakdown and I can't remember exactly what year it was, but, um, cause I still feel like I'm 30. Um, uh, but anyway, I had a major breakdown and what it ended up coming down to was that I felt like I was failing because, I was having all these emotions and all of these things that I couldn't keep up with life the way that my mom did. And my mom had two kids and my mom was married and my mom had a house to keep and all this stuff and a job and a she did everything just seamlessly. And I was like, I'm just sorry, I can't do it. Like, I just can't. And then that is the first time that I realized that like my mom was like, do you know how many times I cried in the closet? Cause I didn't want you guys to see me. I didn't want you to feel bad for me. I didn't want you guys, I wanted you guys to know that I'd be there and strong for you and be your rock and all this, these kinds of things. So out of great intentions, it ended up that you see something was off and I knew something was off, but I didn't know that that's what that was. And, um, so then that ended up, really having a problem like in my future and I didn't even realize that it was affecting me that much. So um Josh says sue both of these words get used close in context with in context with each other but are not created equal. Also, understanding how these words should be used is at the core of our mental health and are at the core of what we discuss on this podcast. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Josh says how we use language is so important on how we perceive life, live life and view others, et cetera. Yes. And Sue says, my mom took pills when she was sad. Great lesson, huh? Yeah. And you know what? Like our, our parents are always just, we've got to believe that they're just doing the best that they're doing with, you know, the knowledge that they have and with the experiences that they've had. Um, but yeah, I think being honest with our kids is like probably one of the biggest lessons that people are learning now. Um and you don't have to be like you don't have to share everything with your kids, you know? Like you can still let them be kids. Um but I don't think like hiding those those major moments of like, you know, fear or sadness or whatever or even if you do share it with them, um also like putting context around it. So people the kids understand it. Um, but the problem is a lot of us, like Josh says, like the language we use is so important, but the problem is, is that the majority of us, we don't have the language to be able to talk about these things. We don't have language to talk about our feelings. We read that book by Brene Brown, um, Atlas of the Heart and the whole book was a glossary of emotions and what they mean and how they can be interpreted interpreted in real life experience and that was like a huge seller that like so many people have that book because we need to have the language so yes figuring out how and when to use the word love and how and when to use the word sorry is really important i love what tina said about maybe you know not actually let me put it back up on the screen um about um that we live in a world of right and wrong but maybe we don't have to like that does come i'm a catholic girl so um that's how i was raised and so i have all this guilt and that's one of the things that i'm working on that's my my biggest crux is the guilt that i have and the fact that everything like i was raised and not so much by my parents but more so by the church that it was everything did have a right or wrong. Everything was a moral issue. And a lot of the times it wasn't. It was just the way that she says it. Maybe it's not right or wrong. It just is. So we can give up sorry and just acknowledge our impact on others. And we don't have to be sorry ever. Normally I don't bring things back up twice, but that one was a, that one was a really good really good one. I mean, all of this, this whole conversation has been really good, but that really made me think a little differently. Uh, Tina says, I share a lot with my kids and we are so close. Our words create our world. Yes, that's exactly. Yes. And that's what Josh was saying too. We language is how we perceive, um, our life, how we live our life and how we view others. So we need to start using, and we've, we've had this conversation a million times on this show because it is important. Um, the way that we, the way that we perceive things and then the way that we create the story or the narrative around it is really, really important. So yes, using the word story and Mike, if you're still watching this, like, thank you so much for having this as a topic. When I was coming on the show, I was like, Oh man, I don't know how long we're going to be able to talk about this, but of course, because we have such awesome listeners, I think this was a really, really good episode. So, um, oh, and Josh says, don't approach your kids in a way where they feel belittled. Yes, that's a good one too, Josh. Josh says, as adults, it's important where maybe our parents had shortcomings and acknowledge that and then look at better ways to handle those particular situations. Yes, I completely agree. And we just finished the book. Um, Sue, what's the name of the book? Um, It didn't start with you. And that was really interesting because we talked a lot about how we can inherit trauma from our parents and our parents inherited trauma from their parents. And, um, maybe some of the, the trauma that we have isn't even our own it's from other people, um, like in our ancestry line. Um, and how much, so we were talking about that and we were also talking about like the book was talking about, how important that bond is with our mother in the beginning of our life and in the like formative years of our life. And if we don't feel like we have that connection or if we lost that connection at some point, um, that can really screw up us like our ourselves, even as adults. And so I think that those conversations, and this is totally taking like another kind of spin, I guess, but Having those conversations with our parents, I think is really important because I know that there's going to be a lot of parents that are going to say, well, I was just doing my best. Like, I'm sorry I wasn't good enough as a parent. Don't take a defense. Like, don't be defensive about it. Just realize, you know what? Sometimes we're not, we're doing our best with the information that we have, but there are better ways of doing things. And so I think having these conversations with our parents so then we can form that relationship again again, I'm very lucky like that. I, I don't have to really, there's not a lot of conversations that I have to have with my, with my parents to clear things up. Cause I'm kind of, Tina is doing the same thing, um, with her kids she's very honest and very open and, and, um, all those conversations happen. Um, so then when things come up that are going to blindside you, like things happen, But at least you have the words and the ability to be able to have those conversations. And, but there's a lot of people that grew up that didn't have those conversations with their their parents or didn't have that relationship with their parents. And I think it's okay that even into our 40s and 50s, if our parents are still around, I think we should have those conversations with them and say, hey, you know what? Like, I really felt abandoned when we were kids. Or, you know, why did you do that? Like, why weren't you there? Or why, you know, and having those without blame and no shame. But just to better understand what was going on. So then we can look at our parents as humans, not as like, oh, you you were a parent and you should have you should have what like we're all kids having kids, you know, there's no I mean, unless you're who's that guy who's that actor that's like 90 and he has like he just had a baby. But um, for the most part, we're still like, you know, in our 20s having kids and we're just trying to do our best. And so, yeah, once our kids are 30, 40, 50, they see things differently. Um so anyway, so I think we should have those conversations and not a sorry for, you know, screwing you up, kid, and not being sorry I wasn't a good enough kid, just having those like blatant just just raw conversations about what it was like back then because the way that we perceive it if we don't have those conversations and the way that we perceive it is a lot different than it probably was. So, um, it's just also fascinating, you guys. Uh, Tina says that's epide. Oh, here we go. Epigenetics. Yes, and it's so true. It's so fascinating. And that I I knew it to be true, but after reading the book, I was just like, man. Um, Josh says if you don't break the cycle, it just becomes generational. Yes, one hundred percent. And then Tina says, my kids share stories about me raising them and my two mess ups. And I said, I did 1000 things great. And you focus on the two screw ups. (laughs) But isn't that true? Isn't that the way that life is? And that's one of the problems is that a lot of us and like Sue, you can probably attest to this like from a professional standpoint, but like we have trauma over things because it's like it really like rocked us, right? Like there's something, and it doesn't have to be anything big, but it was big to us. And, but then we totally forget that like we had a really good childhood. It was just, there were these couple things that happened. And some people unfortunately just did not have a good childhood at all. Um, But a lot of the time we focus on just like these bad things instead of looking at it like, you know what, I had a really good childhood, but yeah, there was this and there was that. Or there was man, there was, and how many times have you done something? I know I've done something that if I was based on some of the ways that I reacted to certain things and everybody like looked at it like, Oh, do you remember that one time in 95 when you just like blew up and you were just, it's not fair. It's not fair. We've got to judge everybody on the character of who they are all the time, but yeah, it will, it'll affect us just one or two things. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, Josh says, this conversation goes on tangents because all parts of this conversation work in tandem with each other. Yes. Amen, sir. We all need to learn to take constructive criticism. Yes. We also need to accept our shortcomings and learn how to mitigate them and build on that. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So good. Sue says, I believe that parents apologizing to their kids is the best use of the use. I'm sorry. Yes. I agree, Sue. Tina says, I got drunk one time and tried to grab a fish out of my friend's pond with my hands <laughs> and my kids always bring it up. Oh man, I wish I heard that story when I was around the girls. <laughs> that is funny. Um, yes, that is really funny. Well, here's a, another. I mean, I don't have kids, but I've got a cousin. He's now 30 something years old and um, there's so there's like about 10 years difference with us. And I used to babysit him. And so he, I don't even remember this happening, but I i swear when we see each other, somehow this story always ends up coming up. And apparently I was, we were having dinner. I made dinner and I didn't let him leave the table until he ate everything. And he had a like peas on his plate. And I was like, you're not leaving until you finish every single pea on your plate how I was raised, you know, because there's, there's a lot of starving children in the world and somehow those extra peas on your plate is going to make the difference. <laughs> Funny things that we're were, are raised with, but that was my upbringing. And so I made sure I was like, you have to finish. You can't go play until you have all of those peas. I don't remember that, but I believe it to be true because that had a lot of trauma around it because 20 years later, he still brings it up all the time. Does he bring up the fact that I brought him to Six Flags every summer? Does he bring up the fact that I drove him to swim lessons all the time? Does he bring it? Nope. None of those things ever come up. So I got it, Tina. It always is just like that one or two things. Josh says, Sue, parents accepting and admitting to your kids you made a mistake and remind and reminds your kids we are all human and can make mistakes as well. And then show them we can change behaviors after the fact. I think that's a big thing is us realizing that like our parents, our kids, you know, our uncles, everybody is just human. We all make mistakes. Some of us are just not evolved enough to be able to like really learn from things. People are some people are just not aware enough. Um, There's a lot of things that are going on. Um, there's, you know, the stress of having children and you got to think too, like when you have kids, you're not sleeping. So you're sleep deprived, you know, you're, you've got all these things going on and somehow you're supposed to be this perfect human being and it just doesn't happen. And, um, so I think it's really important for us to really look at the people around us as human beings. Um, okay. And yes, so, and this is the other thing that I do is I don't finish my full thought because then I see somebody pop up on the screen and I want to share their comments. So here we go. So Josh says, explaining to our kids why the things, why the things they may not like are beneficial to either know or understand why. Yes. That is a big one, Josh. Yes. Not just saying, do this thing. Um, letting them know why you think that they should be doing that thing is really, really important. I think, you know, it always comes down to having conversations and having conversations with the people around us. If we talked more, um, we would, here's the cool thing. If we talked more, then we would be able to like flush out a lot of the, the problems and arguments and things because a lot of it is just misunderstandings. And if we talked more, then we wouldn't have as much social anxiety because we would be engaged in conversation more. And so we would have more connection. We would have more belonging. So having conversations really is a key key thing here. Sarah, hello, Sarah. Oh, this is so exciting. So we tend to hide what's really going on from our kids, but it's the greatest mistake. Our kids then grow up only seeing us as mom and dad. They are unable to see us as human beings with thoughts, feelings, desires, struggles. They need to see more of us, and that will help them understand more of why we do what we do. Amen. Yes, that's perfectly said. Perfectly said. And think about it this way too. Like our kids, how many of us call our kids mini me? Right. So like I am definitely a mini Teresa. Like I'm definitely the acorn did not fall far from the tree, right? But if that's true, then wouldn't it benefit me to know really what's going on with her? Like, as I was growing up, wouldn't that really benefit me? Because then I'm probably having the same issues internally. I'm probably thinking the same ways internally. But then if I'm not seeing that in my parents, then I'm thinking, "Ooh, something's wrong with me. Right? So, Sarah, that is bang on. Josh says, The best way to address any situation is understanding both sides of the situation, both views. This also applies to situations with kids. Yes. Yeah, there's always, what do they say? There's always three sides to the story, yours, mine, and then the truth. (laughs) Sue says, if we were more honest in our conversations, we'd be better off. Some people talk too much and say nothing. Amen. Amen. You know what? I'm going to just like, this is going to, whatever. I am so proud. That's one of the things that I love most about Mike is that Mike is, yeah, sometimes he gets himself into hot water with friends because he's just too honest, but really at the end of the day, it ends up being the best thing because he doesn't believe in placating or, or saying the right thing to make people feel okay about the situation. If somebody does something and it wasn't right, or if somebody has a sideline conversation about somebody else And that those two people should just be together having the conversation. He'll bring that together. And I think that's really cool, but we're not used to having real conversations. And like Sue says, more honest, more honesty in our conversations. Tina says, thanks for a great show. Yes. Okay. Well then that is a great way to end it. Thank you, Tina. Um, So as always, if you guys are listening to this in the audio audio version, please come on over Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. on Facebook or YouTube at First Day Pod. Thank you to everybody that was a part of the show. You guys, I absolutely love you. And you know that I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for everybody that participated and everybody that's watching this in the replay. Please feel free to comment on it as if you're watching the show live. Um, I won't be able to reply live, but I will definitely reply either Mike or I will, but it'll probably be me. Um, and, uh, if you want to be a part of the book club, let me know, Tina, I'm going to put your book suggestion in there. If you guys have any suggestions for us, uh, to throw in the ring, please let us know. And, uh, I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Please let people know, um, about the show. We have a guest next week, Jesse Joseph. I'm really, really excited for that conversation. And I really hope all you guys can be there um to really support him and um, you know, learn from him. So that is it. And I will talk to you. Oh, we have one more. Mike's gonna be like, you should have just ended it, but here we go. <laughs> uh Josh says, Well Lee, from this point, have you thought about looking back and seeing her as an adult and direct her actions to help yourself? Yes. 100% I have. And that's why I'm having, that's a big part of why I was having those conversations with you guys in this show, because those are some, some, like some of the awareness that I've come from with reading this past book and really seeing her as a, just as a human, as an adult. Um, so anyway, you guys, thank you so much. Big hugs. We love you and we will see you next week. Bye.